KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. President Trump issued a list of pardons and commutations on his way out of office. Now, this is standard for presidential administrations, but was President Trump's list in line with what we usually see? To talk about this, reached out to Dr. Michael Moreland, professor of law at Villanova University's Charles Widger School of Law. Give a listen. I'd like to start, I think, in these situations, people kind of put everything under one umbrella because it's not something we deal with a lot. The difference between pardon and commutation. Break that down for us. Well, a pardon effectively wipes away the existence of a crime. So that it's a complete uh, grant of uh, clemency for having committed a crime. Commutation is a reduction of the sentence. So often a reduction from, say, a death sentence to, uh, to a prison sentence or a reduction in the length of a prison sentence. So th- those are kind of the two Two of the aspects of the pardon power, or one is a complete reprieve uh, from, uh, from, from the consequences of a crime, and then the other is a uh, reduction of the sentence. To that point, I think obviously somebody that's in jail gets out of jail. People understand that. But not just with President Trump, but when you go back and look through other lists of, of pardons, you'll see people that have been out of jail for years. Why would people still pursue pardons even after they've served their sentence and they've moved on in life? What what does it do? Well, there can be consequences even after to a, a criminal conviction, even after someone has served their prison sentence. So, uh, in some states, uh, you can't uh, vote. Uh, there are restrictions in many states on your ability to possess a firearm. So there are there are still consequences, and then there's also, I suppose, uh, there's a kind of uh, clean slate aspect of it, right? That it, it says that uh, whatever the other consequences, that uh, that in the end, that the, the crime, uh, legally legally speaking, never happened. So let's talk about the list with President Trump. And this is every presidency at the end, you get a list of pardons and, and commutations. I frankly thought the list for President Trump was going to be a lot longer. Overall, does what we saw pretty much fall in line with uh, recent history of presidents as they're leaving office? Somewhat. I, I would break the, the list that came out uh, right on the eve of the inauguration into a, into a couple categories. So there was a category of offenders who had gone through the pardon process. There's an office of a, a pardon attorney at the Department of Justice, and people can uh, apply for a presidential pardon. And their case is vetted. In most instances, they've already served their prison sentence and now have shown themselves to be good members of their community. Um, and especially there are a lot of uh, people who, for instance, had either long prison sentences for nonviolent drug offenses or other kinds of uh, crimes that uh, now some people think you know, are, are sort of over-prosecuted. And in some ways, this was of a piece with the Trump administration's earlier enactment of this uh, criminal justice reform. So there was a kind of worry about over-criminalization in certain kinds of contexts. And so a lot of the people on the list, uh, and it was noted uh, on the list, that they had uh, that the recommendation of the pardon was supported by the attorney general and by the pardon attorney. So that was kind of one big category of, of people. And then the other uh, category is everyone else, uh, you know, people who um, had uh, either personal connections to, to Trump or uh, corrupt politicians who have often been the uh, recipients of 
presidential pardons uh, during the Trump administration. And then, of course, people like uh, Steve Bannon um, and others who had especially close connections to, to President Trump. So those are kind of the two big categories that I saw on that list. So I think there's a group, you know, there's the Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort. These are all people that we've become very familiar with during the, the Trump presidency. And specifically with Steve Bannon, I think this pardon affects charges a postal ins- of postal. It was an investigation. The postal inspectors, he was taken into custody on a boat. And he's a guy that has been mentioned a lot with a lot of different things. But this pardon would only specifically affect those charges in this one case, correct? That's right. Uh, and even more specifically, the Constitution says that the pardon power extends to offenses against the United States, which is interpreted to mean that it extends to federal crimes. And so in the Bannon case, for example, there may or may not be possible state-level fraud uh, criminal charges, uh, g- given what is alleged to have happened there with this group that was uh, raising money. And so as a result of that, uh, even though now under the pardon, uh, Bannon is no longer subject to criminal prosecution by federal authorities, it's still possible that there could be state-level fraud prosecutions in the states where the fraud is alleged to have occurred. Is there anything with a pardon or a commutation if you're charged with something else is the does anything nullify any of that stuff or is it separate like it doesn't matter you know that you got a full pardon for something else uh, you you can't there's no retroactivity to those offenses or anything like that it depends how broadly the pardon is worded and there are there's an actual you know, warrant or proclamation of the pardon, and it depends how broadly it it is phrased. So, for example, when President Ford pardoned uh, Richard Nixon following Watergate, it was basically, I'm approximating here, said that uh, President Nixon was pardoned for any acts during the time he was president. So that was a very broad, obviously, grant of of, of pardon. Uh, But other pardons are more specific and, and say very, very precisely what the crime is. And in those cases, if there were some other uh, basis for criminal liability, it wouldn't be covered by the pardon. Are there any names? And once again, I think we, the Steve Bannon, Roger Stones, people that were directly kind of connected to the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency, putting those people aside, were there any other names that stood out to you? People maybe that the average person isn't familiar with, but that this you know, that this case either, uh, that just kind of caught your interest for, for a variety of reasons. Well, the, the, and it, this goes back even before the list of a couple de, uh, days ago and, and includes pardons earlier in the administration, both Democratic and Republican politicians who had uh, been caught in corruption investigation. So earlier there was a pardon of uh, Rod Blagojevich, former governor of Illinois, in this last round of pardons, uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, former uh, mayor of Detroit, uh, was 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 uh, uh, was the recipient. So uh, that was something that I, I think anyone who you know studies pardons and and the history of the pardon power of the president, oftentimes as I as I said earlier, it's people who've gone through the pardon process at the Department of Justice. People probably no one has heard of. Sometimes high level kind of criminal. Uh, 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 pardons for uh, people who are, you know, kind of politically very prominent. So, for example, George H.W. Bush's pardon of people involved in the Iran-Contra affair. But 
the wide list here, including Duke Cunningham, other former congressmen, Kwame Kilpatrick and Blagojevich, the list of corrupt politicians who Trump felt were were you know, worthy recipients of a pardon. How does that how does that hurt the body politic when politicians like that that there's very little argument that they weren't guilty of what they were guilty of? Uh, even if they've already served their sentence, that it's that it's kind of washed away like this. Well, I think it, it's damaging, uh, to say the least. I mean, to be sure, there are instances in which uh, prosecutors are overzealous in uh, going after politicians sometimes in these kinds of corruption investigations. Alaska Senator Ted Stevens being a prominent example of that uh, and uh, some others. And, and oftentimes the courts uh, on appeal will throw out uh, those convictions. But here it was a much bigger list, not just uh, not just people who've been the subject of overzealous prosecution for corruption, but people who in many of these cases were pretty obviously guilty of, of the corruption they've been, they've been uh, alleged to have committed. And, uh, and I think it's damaging to see that that doesn't have any consequences, uh, at least in the eyes of this administration. Could you ever see, given pardons like that, the government looking at the presidential pardon power? Could you see a scenario where maybe it's not eliminated, but it's narrowed or it is not the absolute that it is now? Well, it would be hard to do. It would require a constitutional amendment. This actually came up at the Constitutional Convention. There were proposals, for example, to uh, have the pardon power subject to, uh, for instance, congressional approval in one form or another. But others at the convention, uh, Alexander Hamilton, notably, who tended to be a strong defender of, uh, ex- of executive power like this, he and, and others thought that it should be fairly broad. And so it would require a constitutional amendment to change it. And in the end, it does serve an important check and balance function. It's a, it's a corrective in the executive branch to prosecutions and to the judicial branches, sentencing of people uh, in, in certain contexts. So in that sense, at a kind of abstract level, I think it makes constitutional sense for there to be a strong executive prerogative uh, of, of pardon and commutation. That said, it's subject to abuse, like, like any of these other constitutional powers. Uh, and for that reason, I think th- there are other checks, impeachment being one, and subsequent uh, you know, state-level prosecutions, for example, uh, in a federal system uh, being another. Where does the the number... It doesn't seem like the the Donald Trump number is out of line with what we've seen in recent. And actually, I think it's it's now it's only one term, and our last few presidents have served multiple terms. But it's actually less than what we've seen from uh, presidential administrations. No, that's right. And in fact, uh, a lot of people have pointed out that uh, the pardon power was actually quite robustly used for uh, a lot of American history, and it tended to kind of fade a little bit. Um, uh, out of uh, maybe concern of being seen to be soft on crime or something like that. Uh, But, you know, I think, uh, as I said, I think it serves an important function. People, uh, for for various reasons, get caught up in the the justice system. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, these uh, cases of, for instance, nonviolent drug offenses that are uh, sometimes over-prosecuted and people get sentenced to long prison terms uh, under the guidelines. And so in those kinds of instances, uh, now especially, I think, under Trump and before him, uh, President Obama, you did see the pardon attorney in the Department of Justice and the White House more uh, broadly using it to re- redress some of these uh, some of these injustices. 
And I think all in all, that's a very good thing. And to your point, if anyone is curious about, you read some of these preparing for this. I read some of the write-ups about the people who got pardons. And you like, you know, the non, non-violent people for marijuana possession, 25 years. In, I mean, some of this, it's really stark and kind of gives you a window into what the war on drugs you know, the the damage and, and the, the legacy it left. Well, it's part of a larger concern that uh, is actually, I think, a concern on the part of uh, people in both parties that federal criminal law has grown so expansively over the last several decades, especially in connection with drug crimes, certain kinds of gun crimes, for example, uh, certain broad kinds of crimes, as we, as we were talking about, and that uh, given the broad reach of uh, federal uh, criminal law now, that it's important that there be this kind of check in the presidential pardon power uh, as a way of correcting for what could otherwise be uh, people uh, getting getting caught in the system and subject to uh, subject to unduly long prison sentences. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 